Yeah, very good morning to you. Welcome to the papers for Friday the 22nd of December 2023. It's Richie Allen. How are you doing this Friday morning? Wet, miserable, windy here in Salford. It's uh, the final papers podcast of 2023. So it is because Christmas is upon us. Thank you for listening to it and thank you for sharing it. As usual, look at the front pages. Let's look at the very front pages of the UK dailies and then we'll go inside and look at some stories inside the papers then. We'll start with The Times. Treat patients in corridors is the headline on the front page of The Times and this is an an NHS story. It's about a crisis, the perennial winter crisis in the NHS. Perennial, every year, for years and years and years. They tell us that the NHS is in crisis. The story concerns ambulance waiting times in accident and emergency departments around the UK. The Times reports ambulance chiefs are urging for more patients to be treated in hospital corridors to help get ambulances back on the roads. You see, the ambulances are stuck in queues outside of accident and emergency units because there are no beds for the people in those ambulances. Now, if you're a listener to the Richie Allen radio show, you will have heard me say many a time over the years, and I'll say it again. In 1989, 35 years ago, nearly, nearly, there were twice as many hospital beds in Britain than there are today. That's a fact, by the way. And I know you know this because we've been pals, you and me, for a long time. I only deal in facts. When it's conjecture, I'll tell you, it's conjecture. The amount of hospital beds is more than halved since 1989. During that time, the population of the UK has increased by 7 million. That's not a mistake, is it? That isn't bad management, is it? No, no, of course not. That is by design. It's shocking, but you never hear it. I've not heard, not for years, a news anchor drop the W, maybe maybe add the W before anchor. I've never heard a news anchor in this country, not for years Announce this to the to the viewer, because the viewer might get irate and might start asking questions. How have you have the number of beds available while growing the population by 7 million? Exactly. There's also a disturbing story on the front page of the Times as well. Call for health warnings on wood-burning stoves to curb pollution. Now, we've got a wood-burning stove in our home here at BBG Towers. We haven't used it. You might laugh at this. We've had this wood-burning stove... Ever since we moved in, it was here when we arrived. The previous owners of the property built a wood-burning stove. We haven't used it. <laughs> I'll tell you why. We have, even though we do like a fire. I guess I was an arsonist in a previous life. No, we like a fire. But um, the house is over 100 years old. And it was built with bricks that are almost impossible to penetrate from the outside. It's warm. The house is warm and it doesn't take very much to heat it. Even in the winter, if we run the gas and have the radiators on for an hour, the house becomes very, very warm and it keeps its heat. So we've never really used... In fact, I've been thinking about buying a bag of blocks, of wood blocks, and maybe lighting the wood burner this Christmas. Anyway, why am I telling you this? So, um, wood burning stoves should be labelled with health warnings 
according to 100 MPs. And also, councils should be given the power to declare certain days as days when residents or people living within local authorities, councils should be given the permission to ban them on certain days if pollution is deemed to be too high in the area. See, this is more of this old climate change bullshit now. Wood-burning stoves should be curbed. People should be told when they can and when they cannot use their wood-burning stove to burn some wood or maybe even a little bit of coal. No, you can't. Pollution, climate change. It's all happening. There's another climate story. I'll tell you about it in a minute. So that was the front page of the Times. I took my time with the Times. Metro Uni Sniper Rampage. This is about the shooting in Prague, which um, most of the papers are covering this morning. Okay, so the Metro reports more than a dozen people have died at the hands of a gunman in the Czech capital. There was a British witness to this, an 18-year-old called Joe Highland. He told the Metro, all of a sudden people started running. We didn't know what was happening. It was very frightening. The Guardian, Prague student kills 14 in gun attack. And also on the front page of the Guardian, revealed huge rise in hospital admissions with malnutrition, malnutrition even. Senior doctors tell the Guardian, or told the Guardian, the figures correspond with what they are seeing in practice. They are observing a growing number of patients whose health problems are rooted in poverty and malnutrition. The Guardian. The I, Christmas travel chaos, a storm and strike hit rail, roads, air and sea. Storm Pia, which we felt a bit here yesterday in Salford, with 50 to 60 mile per hour winds, has called has caused even chaos on Britain's transport networks and there's also strikes happening at the same time. So this is a perfect storm, no pun intended. And it's a difficult time to be travelling unless you've got your own car. The Daily Telegraph. Royal family persuaded Queen to end her days at Balmoral. That is the front page. I don't give a shit about that and I don't think... You do either, so we'll leave it. The Daily Express, Dame Esther's plea, this cruelty must stop. This is a running story. It's been running all week long. And this is the call for assisted dying to be legalised here in the UK. Or at the very least, that people who accompany people, if you accompanied somebody to Dignitas in Switzerland because they wanted to end their life because of a terminal illness. You might be arrested upon your return as some sort of an accomplice. So Dame Esther Ranson, please, this cruelty must stop. Daily Mail, assisted dying, is the tide turning? That's the front page, same story. Financial Times leads with the story about the UK Chancellor Jeremy Hunt. Hunt envisages lift in economic mood next year with chance of Bank of England rate cuts. That's the Financial Times. The Sun has an exclusive with teenager Alex Batty, who you've probably heard about this week. He returned to the UK, having been missing for six years. His grandmother had been the legal guardian, but his mother and his grandfather took him to Europe, took him to Spain, where he lived in some sort of a hippie commune. Now he's back, he's spoken to the son. He says his mum is a great woman, but not a great mum. He was never in any danger. He found the whole experience very boring. 
So there you are. The Daily Mirror, Susie Suspect, My Alibi. This is a story about the disappearance of a woman, something which happened 30 years ago. Not interesting to you or me. The star leads with, My Willies Got Diddy Sausages. My Willies Got Diddy Sausages. What the hell is that about? Well, it photographs uh, this Prince William dude. And uh, the paper claims the star that royal watchers are hanging out the bunting after learning that Prince William has not inherited his father's large fingers. This is something to do with the coronation last year when William had to button a robe on his father and his father was joking about his sausage fingers or something as asinine as that garbage. Those are where the front pages of the UK newspapers. So the Czech shooting is in all the papers today, the shooting in Prague. The gunman, uh, the headline inside the Times, Czech shooter inspired by killer schoolgirl in Russia. The gunman who committed the worst massacre in the Czech Republic's history fantasised about, quote, becoming a maniac, end quote, and was reportedly inspired by a deadly shooting by a 14-year-old girl in Russia two weeks ago. So David Kozak, 24, he was studying at Charles University in Prague, he was described by his neighbours as an introverted nerd who was fascinated by weapons. Yesterday afternoon, it is believed he killed 14 people, including fellow students, and wounded more after shooting dead his father earlier. A Russian speaker, he was said to have announced his intention to do the school shooting and possibly suicide on a telegram chat prompted by the school shooting in Bryansk, Western Russia, on the 7th of December. So he was inspired by a shooting by Alina Afaniskina, apparently. And there are messages which, uh, which, which indicate that he was inspired by this shooting. It's a terrible thing. I don't know what's going on. There are people in the independent media who, media who study these shootings and they tell us that many of them have similarities. Many of them, you know, we, we find out that maybe the, the perpetrator had mental health issues, maybe, or that he was taking medication, maybe. I don't know. It's pretty rotten anyway, isn't it? It's rotten at any time of the year, let alone at Christmas. So we'll leave that alone. David Kozak. Oh, he was found dead, uh, by the way, with uh, apparently catastrophic injuries. It isn't, it hasn't been made clear yet whether the police killed him or whether he turned his gun on himself. Now this is very interesting. In the Telegraph today, an opinion piece by Fraser Nelson. An opinion piece. And it's headed up as Britain's declining birth rate is becoming a problem too big to ignore. So I'm going to read you a little bit of this, right? I've synopsized it a bit. I've chopped it. Um, The biggest problem the world will face in 20 years, according to Elon Musk, is population collapse, writes Fraser Nelson. In Japan, Uh, Musk says nappies for adults now outsell those for children and he sees the same trend threatening threatening the rest of the world. He's hardly alone. Fears of demographic decline are growing across Europe. But what should be a dry dry statistical topic is being treated as a dangerous conspiracy theory of the far right, as I found out a few weeks ago, writes Nelson. Fraser Nelson writes, I was invited to to chair a discussion in Westminster 
about the birth gap on a cross-party panel. The speakers included Miriam Cates, a Tory MP, and Labour's Rosie Duffield. Just before the debate started, we were told that Duffield had received so many online threats for even agreeing to appear on the panel, she had to pull out. We had come, writes Nelson, to discuss whether the low birth rate is a problem and what, if anything, government should do about it. A debate which, it seems, some people believed should not be allowed to take place. There were no radicals or skinheads in the room. The panel included an actuary and a filmmaker, Stephen Shaw, who ran through his argument. The audience was young by Westminster standards, perhaps more religious than average. I saw one gentleman in a cassock, but everyone there had come to hear a debate now being held world over. Most people now live in countries with a fertility rate lower than that required to sustain the population without immigration, which is 2.1 children per woman. So that's the requirement to sustain a population without immigration. It's 2.1 kids per woman. Fraser Nelson writes, The UK's ratio is 1.55 and it already shows. School roles, for example, are now understood to be in terminal decline, but this trend is barely discussed in Westminster. You can understand the hesitation, he writes. The subject can and does attract nutcases. Muttering about cultural decay, decadence and young ladies having too much fun. Dark corners of the internet, writes Nelson, are rife with theories about a great replacement, with elites using immigration to keep the economy going rather than help families. In France, Marine Le Pen regards birth rate increases as an economic policy. In Germany, the AFD bemoans the increase of childless families. Even Donald Trump has been toying with this, saying that illegal immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country. But if the past few years in Europe have taught us anything about populists, it's that they only thrive when important topics are kept off the agenda by established parties. What is disparaged as natalism is basic policy in much of the democratic world. So it's hard to close down this discussion. The only choice is between handing the whole agenda to conspiracy theorists or talking about it sensibly. Isn't that interesting? Fraser Nelson in the Telegraph. Yes, there is a problem. There is a problem with fertility. There is a problem with declining populations. But um, we better talk about it because if we don't, the conspiracy theorists will take over and talk about great replacements. Interesting that. I mean, I don't talk too much about great replacements. There are environmental factors impacting on fertility, as far as I understand it. And I could go into it now, but I won't. Geoengineering, of course, is one. There are many reasons, right? Exposure to electromagnetic radiation. No doubt about that. Men carrying mobile phones in their pockets. No doubt about that. There are many things, many reasons why um, birth rates are declining in the West and elsewhere. And uh, this idea that we better prevent the far right from talking about it is a nonsense. You know, there's a lot to be said for um, the, the great replacement theory, even though it's a term I don't use myself. Anyway, the, the time as I do this is Friday morning. It's exactly 6.54 a.m. Let's look inside The Guardian. And this is Julian Borger reporting live for The Guardian's website. And this is about the failure to get a UN resolution 
to get some humanitarian supplies into Gaza and to have a ceasefire. Okay? Um, It was postponed for a fourth day yesterday, this vote at the UN Security Council. And Julian Borger is reporting this morning. The US has declared it is ready to support a UN Security Council resolution intended to boost the flow of humanitarian supplies into Gaza after a week of negotiations and substantial amendments, including the removal of a call for an urgent suspension of hostilities. So the US is saying, well, we can agree to the resolution now, possibly because you've removed the call for an urgent suspension of hostilities. It's sickening this, isn't it? And he goes on, Borger, to say a vote on the resolution was was postponed for a fourth day in a row until today, Friday. But the US ambassador to the UN, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, said that US and Arab states had come up with an amended version that Washington could support. 20,000 people dead in Gaza. Two-thirds of them are women and children. I have to keep saying it. There will be a vote today. Okay. Also, in The Guardian, I mentioned there was another climate story. Listen to this. This sounds great, but maybe it isn't. In The Guardian, French city of Montpellier makes public transport free for all residents. The French city of Montpellier in southern France became the latest European metropolis to allow all of its residents to ride public transport for free. The entire European country of Luxembourg, including its capital of the same name, scrapped fares in 2020 after Estonia's capital Tallinn introduced the policy in 2013. From Thursday evening, Montpellier residents with a special pass were able to ride trams and buses free of charge in the southern city. Now, visitors and tourists will still have to pay about €1.60 for a trip, but Michael Delafosse, the socialist mayor of the city of half a million people, promised free public transport when he was elected in 2020. And that's the point to keep in mind, dear listener. It isn't free transport for a period. It's free transport forever, Okay, So he started by introducing free rides at the weekend that year, in 2020, then the following year extended them to all those younger than 18 or older than 65 throughout the whole week. Delafosse said the initiative was part of a European commitment to the climate and purchasing power. We have set up an association to help other European mayors make the same choice. And this sounds so benevolent. I mean, on the one hand, purchasing power, yes, Let's give people free transport. Let's give them free buses and free trams. Get them into city centres where they're spending money. This will boost the economy. You can't argue with that. But the climate, free transport. Ultimately, this will happen in more and more cities. It will come to the UK. I envisage this happening in Manchester, which is a great tram network in the near future. They will renationalise this stuff. And they will say, right, from now on in, travelling by tram, travelling by bus is free. But you've got to give up your cars. Don't laugh, that's where it's going. You've got to give up your cars. Because um, in any case, they are banning the manufacturing and sale of diesel and petrol cars 
from 2030 or 2035, depending on who you believe. Sunak said here, the UK Prime Minister, that he was pushing it back to 2035, but he's a lame duck. Sunak will be gone in less than a year. Starmer will be in. And at that point, Starmer will say, well, I'm reversing Sunak's extension or pushing back of the ban on the sale of diesel and petrol cars. Let's bring it back to 2030. One of the things we can do is make public transport free. Yeah, that's The Guardian. The Mirror. There's a couple of XL bully stories. You know, these XL bullies are massive dogs, big, huge dogs. Sometimes you see them, their ears have been, have been cut. And um, I don't like the breed. They, they do give me the willies, to be honest. But um, there are others who have different opinions to me. The, the problem is, when, when I see them around Salford, they're usually accompanied by an idiot. You know, a scumbag. And I'm, I'm no snob. I was born and raised, and proud of it too, in a working class community in Waterford. I'm very proud of it, I am. And a working class kid I'll always be. But scumbags tend to have them in Salford. And um, yeah. But anyway, here's the headline in the mirror. It's not my fucking fault, says owner, after XL bully molds woman and kills other dog. They're referring to a woman called Jade O'Brien, who was jailed for four months this week over two incidents. She was looking after an XL bully for her ex-partner. Um, after it killed the dog, she verbally abused the owner of the dog, saying, it's not my fucking fault. Previously, she'd been walking uh, the dog uh, when it attacked another woman and another dog, and she said the same thing. She swore at that woman too and said, fuck off, dickhead. It's not my fucking fault. Uh, Jade O'Brien sounds like a real charmer. You'll know that the government has banned the XL bully, and from now it's illegal to breed the dog, and owners of XL bullies must have them muzzled, the dog must be muzzled, when they are out in public and the dog must be on the lead at all times now and the breeding of it is now banned. Very good. And another XL bully story in the Daily Mail. This one did make me laugh. Owner of XL bully who was bitten by his dog while he was having sex is ordered to destroy it but he vows to appeal. This is Scott Thurston, 32. I doubt Scott was ever top of any of his classes. Scott was having it off with his partner, Leanne Bell, at their home. The XL bully was in the bedroom and attacked him in the middle of the um, heaving and the panting and the grunting. (laughs) So his missus attempted to muzzle the dog in the garden. I mean, talk about chavtastic now. Talk about shameless Channel 4, you know, TV um, um, sitcom, if you want to call it that. She's stark naked in the garden, trying to put a muzzle on the XL bully. He's hopping around with his lad on display for the whole world to see it. They call the police. The police want to put the dog down. And he um, says no. No. And at the moment, the sword of Damocles is hanging over the XL bully as a magistrate court is basically deciding on whether or not to put it down or to let the idiotic Scott Thurston um, have the dog back. Bitten while he was having sex. How could you have a dog in the bedroom when you're having sex? I don't understand this. The Times. This one. We like this one. It's a Christmas nightmare for men who are friends with Jeffrey Epstein. This is an article in The Times today by Helen Rumbelow. She writes, There are many countdowns associated with the festive season. 
that encourage us to reflect upon and embrace its values. She goes on to say, in Advent, we mark the days and weeks leading up to Christmas, blah, blah, blah. The 12 days leading up to Christmas, um, leading up to Twelfth Night, are an invitation to throw off normal cares. She goes on, blah, blah, blah. We count down to the New Year's Day, blah, blah, blah. But she says, the ruling from Loretta Preska, a federal judge in New York, has timings all but borrowed from a Dickens plot. On Monday, December 18th, just as the super-rich would usually have been doing all those Christmassy things, like flying to Mustique, her decision dropped. As the names of 177 people connected to Epstein and the documents associated with them would be made public. The dramatic unseating of the papers from a civil case about Epstein's abuse of minors, settled in 2017, will take place at some point from January 1st, 2024. New Year's Day always had an air of harsh penance. This time it may rip the mask off the protected and powerful. As Prince Andrew has proved, involvement with Epstein can be life-ruiningly difficult to explain away. That is, unless the protected and the powerful can protect their power. Preshka gave these individuals a two-week deadline in which to appeal. Christmas is transformed for them into a terrifying race against time as they sweatily rush to engage the hardest-nosed lawyers in New York and cross their palms to work Christmas with overtime rates times a zillion. Meanwhile, in penthouses across the Western world, grandchildren may be asking, why is granddaddy not joining us for Christmas Day? Why is he spending so much time on the phone? Why does he look so sick? And why does grandma look so angry? Yes, the planned unsealing of documents pertaining to that settlement in 2017 due to happen at some time in the very early New Year. But they have appealed, many of these powerful people. Will their appeal, will, will it um, grant them a stay of execution? Will a judge rule in their favour and prevent Preshka from releasing their names? I would wager that is probably the likeliest of outcomes. It depends on how powerful the names are on the list in question. Anywho, I think, I mean, I was going to have a very quick look at the BBC News website. I could do that. But I think that's about it for the papers today, this Friday. BBC is running a story about Vin Diesel, who's an actor most famous for the Fast and the Furious series of films. There's about 10 of those, maybe more. He's been accused of sexual abuse by an ex-assistant. The BBC says there is a day of mourning in Prague after the killing of 14 people. There we talked about that dramatic video from Prague shows people leaping from a building ledge. That's on the BBC News website as well. Uh, The Scots taking XL bullies as England cracks down. Some XL bullies are being sent to Scotland, apparently. And um, I don't think there's an awful lot more, really on the BBC News website that I can tell you about that you might be interested in. So, therefore, I can say to you, that is the final Papers podcast for 2023. And can I thank you very much for listening to it and for sharing it. Now, Merry Christmas. I said this last night on the Richie Allen Show, but Merry Christmas and thank you very much for everything in 2023. I will be on air on Christmas morning with Christmas morning melodies. You might be interested in that, you might not. Failing that, the papers and the Richie Allen Show will return 
on Monday, January 8th, 2024. So a couple of weeks away from now, okay? Merry Christmas. Look after yourselves and one another. Bye for now. Bye now.